Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Some people think God is up there hiding stuff and enjoying it. I'm trying to figure out what you want me to do so I can do it, but you won't show me. So I don't. That's not true. Anybody here that's that ever felt that way, I just want to know what God wants me to do so I can do it. God doesn't hide his will from us. He makes it known to us. He makes known the general. And as you're obeying the general, God will be more specific with you. Sometimes the hindrance in getting God to be clearer with you is that you're not obeying God in the general things. And so God's not getting more specific. If you want to turn God's value up in your life, then you want to obey what you already know. Sometimes it feels like God keeps his distance from us. Like you just want to do what he's calling you to do, but you can't figure out what that is. Well, no matter how abandoned you might feel, Pastor Bill is here today to remind us that God wants his will to be accomplished. There's no reason for him to hide it unless we haven't proven ourselves as trustworthy and reliable. God's general will has been laid out for us in the Bible. Follow him in the general and he will be faithful to reveal the details to you. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I've been pondering this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading through each day, going over uh, Ephesians. And uh, like I told you guys, when we did the introduction, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is really all about God is telling us in great detail what he has done for us. And he's just going down the list of all the things he's done for us. Uh, we covered several in verses one through seven. In, in verse three, we saw that God had blessed us through Christ. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We talked about that. In verse four, we saw that Christ chose us before the foundation of the world. In verse five, we saw that we were predestined. He predestined us to be his sons. I mean, God predetermined that we would be adopted into his family, knowing all of your flaws, knowing all of your imperfections and all of that. He still chose you. We saw in verse six that he made us acceptable accepted in the beloved that because of what Christ has done for you and for me, that one day we're going to stand before God and be accepted in the beloved because of what Jesus did for us. We won't be accepted on our own merit. We're going to be accepted because of what he did for us. Amen. And then we left off at verse seven where he began to, it talked about his, how we've been redeemed through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. And so um, look at verse seven. We're going to pick up there because seven and eight kind of go together. So It says in him, that's in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And then verse eight, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Here's the thing. Some people look at the fact that God bestows grace and mercy on people in an unlimited way. When it says that, you know, it's it's an abundance that God does this, you know, that Um, We have a redemption through his blood just according to the riches of his grace and God's riches don't run out. God's unmerited favor towards us, it says, which he makes to abound towards us. Then it says he does it in all wisdom and prudence. Here's the thing. Some people look at this idea of, you know, you can't tell people that God's just going to be merciful to them in an ongoing way. You can't just tell people God is that good because in our natural minds, what do we think? We think if we tell people God is that good, people are going to do what? They're going to be bad because we know how bad we are. We say if if we tell people, you mean no matter what I do, God loves me. You can't tell people that because then we won't perform well. You know, you can't tell people that God is it's he abounds in mercy. 
You got to tell people that mercy runs out somewhere because if you don't tell them that there's an end point, they won't do right. You can't say that God just loved it. God's favor upon you for nothing because people won't perform. You got to tell people they got to earn God. That's that's the natural mind. But the, if I'm going to be true to the text, God says grace. You don't deserve his favor, but he's given it to you. It's abounding to you. God says his mercy. You can't be deserving of mercy. Mercy is when you deserve judgment, but you get good. You deserve the whooping, but you don't get the whooping. God says, my mercy abounds. The natural mind says you can't tell people that. But you know what the spiritual mind says? You know what the scripture says? It says in Romans that it's the Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. That don't make sense to my natural mind. But it's Bible. God says, you know, what really happens is as I just continue to bestow my goodness upon you, my grace that you don't deserve and my mercy that you don't deserve, eventually people get broken. Anybody here ever been broken under just the God's goodness to you? Anybody ever had God be good to you in a moment where you knew you knew you didn't deserve it right now? He just did it anyway. He just I mean, for the believer, if the spirit of God lives in you, that, that's a breaking moment. That's where you just say, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy. I want to do better. I don't want to do better to earn. I'm doing, I want to do better because look at how you're just good to me for nothing. I at least want my life to be a show appreciation for it. And so when God says that these things abound, but they abound in, according to his wisdom and prudence, God says, I'm not wasting it and I'm not, I'm not stupid. He's God. It's in all wisdom and prudence. God knows what he's doing. Amen. And so as God bestows mercy and grace upon the wickedest of sinners, God says, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm bringing men to repentance which is what he wants. Amen. I'm moving on now. Verse nine. He says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Next thing on the list, God said, I've made known to you the mystery of his will. That that word mystery is these are typically things that are things that had been at one time hidden that are now being revealed. I'll speak Greek as you know, things that it was it was previously concealed or hidden, but it's now now it's being made known. Now it's being revealed. God says, I did that for you guys. I've made known to you the mystery. He's made known to us, to believers, because this letter is written to believers, the mystery of his will. And so something that people that don't know God don't know. They don't know how to honor God. They don't know what the will of God is. That's why people that don't know God just kind of meander through this life doing whatever. But God says for you, child of God. For you, Christian, for you that have been born again of the spirit of God, I've made known to you the mystery of my will. And so in a very general way, if you're a believer and you're you know, familiar with scripture in any way, you, you, you know, there's a general mapping that we all have. Right. Some of us want God to be specific. We want the specific will of God. But we all have the general will of God. There are things that God says it's the general will of God that you not be doing that and that you be doing this. We could go down the list. What are some things that are on the general will of God that we would not be doing, um, that we would not be living like we don't know God? We would not be living in fornication. We would not be living in debauchery. We would not be drunkards. We would not be. We, do we know that, you guys? Yeah. Everybody act like y'all know this. I'm going to be real sad if y'all don't know. OK, so we know that's generally speaking. We know that's not the will of God. Then over here, we got just some basic things. We know this is the will of God that we be in fellowship with other believers. Hebrews 10, 24, right? In general, the will of God that we be people that are in the word of God, taking the word. And in general, we know the will of God is that we be in prayer, that we be living a certain way. We know that. Now, as we're walking in the general, uh, we can't look for the Lord to be more specific. But God said, look, I've made known to you guys the mystery of my will. And, and there are people that still don't know that. There are people that don't even, they don't know how to, how, how do I please God, right? We know that the, what's the, how do I, what do I do to please God? 
Jesus was asked, what's, what's the work of God that we might do it? Believe in him who he sent. It's believe. Right. We're not we're not out here trying to earn salvation. We're not here. We're not out here climbing, you know, trees and on our knees and beating ourselves up. God says, you you, you guys have been shown the mystery of my will has been made known to you. Um, and again, he says he does this according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. It pleases God for you and I to know what he wants. Um, you know, some people think God is up there hiding stuff and enjoying it. I'm trying to figure out what you want me to do so I can do it. But you won't show me. So I don't. That's not true. Anybody here that's, that's, that ever felt that way, I just want to know what God wants me to do so I can do it. God doesn't hide his will from us. He makes it known to us. He makes known the general. And as you're obeying the general, God will be more specific with you. Sometimes the hindrance in getting God to be clearer with you is that you're not obeying God in the general things. And so God's not getting more specific. If you want to turn God's value up in your life, then you want to obey what you already know. Amen. All right, verse 10, he says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. And what God is doing, God's gathering together. I'm, I'm bringing it all together. I'm bringing, ultimately, there's a time coming where God's, I'm, bringing, I'm gonna bring it all together. It's all gonna come to completion at one point. That's what God is working towards. Verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so one in him, we have obtained an inheritance. And when you think about an inheritance, right, what do you do to get an inheritance? Nothing. Just hang out till somebody dies. They left it for you. Right. There's nothing you did to earn inheritance. Now, there are people that are very wealthy today because somebody left them an inheritance. This is, you know, this is worldly stuff. So, you know, I won't go too far in this. But there are people that look at you different if your if your wealth was handed down as opposed to built. People look at it different because if you built wealth, well, now there's there at least something to say for you. You built that. I mean, you created a business and you built something from scratch. You invented something and you built this. You know, you built whatever you built. And so you should get accolades for that. But if your daddy died and left you bazillions of dollars and that's why you're rich. I mean, it doesn't really say anything about you yet. You know, you haven't built anything. You just, you, your dad died. Your dad was awesome, you know? So for you and me, when we, we're receiving an, an awesome inheritance, more than money could buy, but it doesn't say anything about you. What does it say something great about? Your dad. We need to know that, right? We have a great inheritance. We have the promise of heaven. We're going to heaven when we die. We have, we have, we have hope on top of hope, on top of hope. We have a hope that says no matter what happens to me down here, this is not it. This is not it for you and for me, you guys. And we have an inheritance, a, a hope beyond this life, but it's all tied into what God has made available to us. And so in him, we have obtained an inheritance. And then it says being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his will. And so, again, we're, 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 we're getting this word predestined. We're predestined according to his purpose, to the purpose of his will. And so God predetermined, God, God has a plan for you and me that has to do with what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Again, I'll read it, being predestined, predestined for what? According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so when you think about God predetermining, predestining you, and you could go back in scripture and look at times where God would, God had called someone to be something they didn't even believe they could be it yet. But God's like, no, I did it according to the, I did it according, I, I predestined you according to the counsel of my will. I know exactly what you're going to be. God told Moses, I want you to go speak. You're going to be the one to deliver 
Israel be delivered, want to deliver my children out of the hand of the Egyptians. You're going to go speak. And what did Moses tell the Lord? What did he say? I can't speak. You got the wrong one. You got a speech impediment. You need to pick somebody with, with, with smooth, you know, eloquent speech, Lord. You, Lord, you don't know what you're doing, Moses was saying. Uh, you can go look at this yourself in Exodus 4, 10 through 14. But the Lord said, no, I know what I'm doing. And God actually got mad at him for not just going with it, you know. And he had to bring his little bum cousin along to do the talking for him. But he should have went on his own, right, you know. Um, so when that thing happened with the golden calf, I always looked and I thought, that's what you get. That's what you get for not just going with God's it. Now you got a golden calf down the hill, you know. So, but God said, man, I know I, I, I created you. I know you got a speech impediment, right? I choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And so many of us, God may have, God's predetermined that you're going to be something. And maybe God has given you insight. God has spoken over you, spoken to you, what you're to do, what you're to be. And maybe you don't believe you can be it. Maybe you're looking at yourself saying, but I, I'm not enough. God said, don't look at you. Don't equate what you can do based on you, based on what I say. If I say, you can. If I've called you, you're able. And so Gideon, right? That's one of my favorite stories. Gideon is, when God called Gideon, Gideon was in the, the most punked out, cowardice position you could be in. They were hiding from the Midianites. He was hiding, you know, threshing wheat in a wine press so that nobody could see him, you know, so they wouldn't come jack his wheat when he got done, you know, uh, separating the chaff and the wheat and whatever. And, and at that moment, while he's hiding in the wine press, the God says, you mighty men of valor. Gideon said, man, get out of here. You know, like, you know, he knew better than that. And God had to build him up. But God said, you go, you're going to you're my guy. You can deliver them out of the hand of the Midianites. And he did. How did God know that? Because God had predetermined that that's what Gideon would be. He was predestined according to God's will. Right. God told Jeremiah. Right. He was he was to go in Jeremiah one, four to ten. Jeremiah didn't see it. You know, God, when God called Paul and Paul's fresh on the road to go persecute Christians, you know, the Lord meets him on the road. He gets knocked off his high horse. He gets blinded. And, you know, Ananias has got told to go pray for him. And God tells Ananias, I will show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. God said, I know exactly what I'm doing with Paul. He just I mean, he just he barely saved. He haven't even walked yet, you know, but God said he's going to he's going to minister to kings, to priests, to children of Israel. I mean, God, I, I know I know all the people he's going to speak to. I know all the people he's going to impact predestined according to his will. Everybody here needs to know that you're born again. You've been predestined according to the will of God. And what you don't do, this is what you don't do to figure out what you're supposed to be. You don't look in the mirror. You don't ask a friend. You don't think about it. You don't look out in the world and figure out, you know where you look to figure out what you're going to be? To the one that predestined you. That's the only way you're going to figure it out. If he created you and he predestined you to be, then you got to get that from him. Everyone you see in scripture, who told them what to be? God did. And many times, many times we're reading these things, right? Many times what God was telling them to be, they didn't believe they could be it. But God's like, just keep, just, just, just go. Just go anyway. I got this. You will be. And so uh, my encouragement to us that are here, that are saved and don't know what we're supposed to be doing, spend some time with the father about that. Lord, I read today that I'm predestined according to the purpose of him, of you, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That means you have a purpose for me. Lord, what did you predestine me to be and to do so I can be about it, so I can start walking in that direction and just start looking to him and listening to him to speak to you in that. Amen. Amen. Moving on. Verse uh, 12. He says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Now, when it says the we who first trusted in Christ, 
um, the Jews believed first. And then verse 13 says, in him, you also trusted after you heard. That's the Gentiles. So if you guys remember Romans 1 16 says for Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first. And after that, the Greek, the gospel first went to the Jews. Then it went to the Gentiles. That's what we're seeing right here. Verse 12, again, that we who first trusted in Christ, the Jews trusted first. They've heard it first should be to the praise of his glory in him. You also Gentiles trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And I want you to note that you can read it real fast and miss this. But the gospel is right here in this verse. The gospel of your salvation, the, the, the application of the gospel. How do I get what the gospel's offering? The gospel's good news about what Jesus did for me. Died in my place, rose from the grave. How do I take advantage of, how do I get the benefit of the good news of the gospel? It's right here in this verse. It says, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What do you do to take hold of the gospel? Believe. That is it. That's why it's good news. If I said you had to believe and then do better, some of y'all be like, man, I keep trying to do better, but I can't. You know, if I said you got to believe and then whatever I might add to the list. Right. God says believe. Here's the here's the thing. Here's the cool thing about the gospel. When you do believe, will you do better? You'll do better. You will do because he'll help, help you. He just told us right here. After you believe, what does he give you? He seals you with the Holy Spirit of promise. God says, so now once you believe this, how come you're going to do better? Because I'm going to move inside you, right? What you would never be on your own, what you would never do in your own strength, God says, I'm going to move inside you. The Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit moves inside you because you believed. And so when you look at a person that's been walking with the Lord for a while, their life begins to be sanctified. They begin to live different. They have new convictions. There are things that they don't do. There are new things that they do. Why is that? Who makes them do that? God says, I, I moved in. I live inside you now. And if God moves in, I guarantee you things are going to be different. That's why I'm always skeptical of the person that says that they believed and they, they know the Lord. And I'm like, when did he move in? When did he get there? Because I just don't see no difference. You know, like there should be uh, ongoing transformation because he moves in. But he moves in when? When you do what? When you believe. That's how come we will be better. We will live different. We will be better when the Lord moves in because this is how it works, right? There are things that when you are not born again, you can get comfortable in your sin. You get comfortable doing things that, you know, even if you, even when I was a non-believer, there were things that maybe the first or second time I did them, I had to, I had to fight my own conscience to do it. But pretty soon, you know, I just beat my conscience is dead. I just do whatever I want to do now. My conscience don't even say nothing no more. You know, that's why I don't believe the conscience and the Holy Spirit are the same because I can beat my conscience down to where that thing that bothered me the first time or the second time don't bother me no more. But you know who you can't beat down? You can't beat down the Holy Spirit. If you're a child of God and the Holy Spirit lives inside you, you're going to be disturbed when you do wrong and you're not going to beat him down. He'll be there. He'll be just as disturbed 10 years later as he was 10 years ago about the same thing. He's not going to let up your conscience. You can beat that thing down to where you can finally get to where I, I do that. I don't feel bad about it no more. You know, when I was younger, I was uh, one of my issues. I would steal stuff. And, you know, I think there were times where and I, it, this is this is how, you know, lost people, you know, kind of in my mind, I wouldn't steal from certain people. So I, I felt pretty proud of myself that, you know, when I was going to steal, 
I wouldn't do it in my community. You know, I was like, I don't want this to be one of my buddy's moms or something like I'm not going to do it where I live. I'm going to go to where, you know, I feel like they live in excess anyway. And my mind said, if I still over here, like, you know, that's that's so I would drive out to places where I felt like people had more than they needed. And then I would do it there. And in my non-believing mind, that seemed right to me. And here's what happened, though. As time went on, I remember as a group of guys and we would do this. I remember the Valentine's Day coming up. It was we, all kids in high school. And we're we're out there, you know, robbing people so people can buy stuff for their girlfriends. It was so stupid, you know. But we're out there doing this. And we, we did a couple of little runs and we didn't get quite enough. And then we're we're back over here in the hood. And, you know, my conscience is just, you know, you the Bible, you, your conscience can be seared. And it got to the point where I was like, man, let's just go over there. Next thing you know, I'm doing what I said I wouldn't do in the beginning. At the beginning, there's no way I'm doing this over here. Next thing you know, it's like, it's too far to drive away over there. Man, let's just go right over here and, and sit there and get somebody real quick. And then here we go. You know, now I'm shocking some of y'all and I'm so sorry. But that's the non-believing mind that that it just got wiped away. There was no guilt. There was no shame. There was no, it just didn't matter. You get born again. I get saved. It's not come I know God lives in me. I could think about the wrong stuff. And God's like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you thinking like that? You know, somebody say something to me I don't like and I got to come back in my mind. I don't even say it. I mean, religiously, I'm on point. I don't say the wrong stuff to people. But God's like, no, you still enjoying it in your mind. My wife has caught me before. My wife, my wife be like, babe, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, nah, I don't want to say it. Cause now I, I, I realize I'm laughing because I'm enjoying the thought, but I'm not saying it. And she's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, man. And that's the Lord's like, we still working on you. We still working. But he's in there. He lives in here. I'm not the same. And I can't be the same. I can't go back to what I used to be. And neither can you. If God lives inside you, the Holy Spirit, he is a seal. It's how you know you're going to heaven. You're not going to heaven because you're doing better. You're not going to heaven because you're a better person, because you believe stronger, because you serve God at church, because you read your Bible and do the reading every day. You're going to heaven because you believed. He forgave. God died for you. You believed. And he sealed you with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside you. And you're his child. And he's not going to give up on you. And the good work that he begun in you, he's faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6 says. And so God who started the work is going to bring it to completion. So what you don't want to do is be fighting them along the way because God's going to get the work done. Amen. If you a bad construction site, you know what you got to do to a bad construction site? Tear it down and start over. You know, uh, they're redoing the roof right now. And I, I was here the day they started and the whole side over there is all bad. And I watched them spend the whole day just tearing it up. We just tore off the whole thing. There's, there's nothing that we could use here. And the guy got underneath and some of the wood was rot out. So a lot of the lumber had to be replaced. And they said, now... Now that all the junk is gone, they put down new lumber and then they put down new tar paper and whatever. Then they're rebuilding everything right. You know, um, God says, that's what I have to do in your in your life. You know, if, if if you start stacking on some wrong stuff, I'll tear this thing down again. I love the, the, the potter and the clay. You'll get smatted back down and God will start all over again. It's be a painful process. It'll take you a whole lot longer to become the, the vessel he wanted you to be. But you're going to get there. God's going to make sure you get there. And so. This is why I believe this is so important. This section here, the the that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14 says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? God says, that's how you know. Someone says, how do I know that I'm saved? How can I know that I'm going to heaven? I want to I want the assurance. I want to know. And you can know. I believe that every Christian is supposed to know that they're saved. 
There should be a confidence in your heart that you're going to heaven. I don't think God wants us to be those that are like, I think I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I messed up. Today was such a bad day. I wonder if I'm even saved. God wants there to be a certainty about it. And God says, this is how you know. Holy Spirit lives inside you. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Ephesians is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the teachings tab or feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we study through the book of Ephesians, has it caused you to think about your relationship with the people around you? Do you love them as Jesus does? Do you treat them as Jesus would? Do you seek to cause strife or do you seek to honor the Lord in your relationships? Paul valued unity just as the Lord does. If this is something you wrestle with, you're not alone. And although that may be comforting, it's also important that you strive to live in harmony with those around you. As we continue through this study together, we're praying for you. Would you also be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your prayers, and thanks for tuning into to today's edition of A Transforming Word.